Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you're all having a great Christmas morning today, enjoying, uh, you know, talking about Jesus and and um, the, the birth of our Savior, uh, which is really what Christmas is about, of course. We tend to forget that because there's so much commercialization of it, and we get all wrapped up in it too, don't we? We get so busy with things and we start thinking about things that aren't really that important. Sometimes we can have our Christmas celebration and not even remember what it's about. It's uh, interesting how how we can do that. But Christmas is about remembering Jesus, remembering what God did for us, and, and that miraculous event where God sent His Son, who the Bible says is the Word of God, into the earth. I mean, that that's just a phenomenal thing. I remember telling um, a man from a, country who they're, they're taught um, that God doesn't exist. In fact, they're they're almost made to believe that way. You know, they're raised as atheists. And I remember telling him the story of God one day, and, and I remember telling him that part of the story when I was telling him, I'm going, he's got to think this is just crazy. And um, he was so interested in everything. And uh, when I finished, he's like, can I get baptized right now? He believed. And I thought, you know, faith really is a miracle. And it was a miracle that, that um, God did what he did, sending his son into the earth. And of course, why, we ask, why did, why did he do that? You know, why did, why did the father send his son? Um, you know, it wasn't an easy life. He didn't send him down here for, hey, you want to see what it, it's like to live down there? And I could give you, a, you know, a 33-year journey. So, you know, you, why don't you see what it's like? And... Um, no, he sent, him, he sent them here, the Bible says, um, because he loved us. Um, so the point, of course, that when you, when you read all of the New Testament, you begin to realize Jesus was sent here to, on a mission to redeem man, to pay for our sins. So from the time he was born, people, people are like, wow, the Messiah has been born, those that knew, but they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Mary even knew I've given birth to the Messiah, but she didn't know exactly what was going to happen in this first stage of the Messiah and, and his work. So anyway, just, you know, you think about it. He's born and he's born to live a life, to demonstrate God, but ultimately to do this phase of redemption where we can come to God, where our sins can be cleansed and, um, you know, we're, we have righteousness with God again through our faith and through our trust in Him. Through, you know, it is, a, it is a reconciliation. That means we have to want to turn back to God. We need to want to serve Him. And, not, and, and we need to want to live in righteousness rather than in darkness. But uh, what an amazing thing that happened there. Um, Christ was sent to redeem the world. The one Christmas song that always sticks out of my mind, I know it's not the only one that says a powerful thing, but I just love the God rest ye uh, merry gentlemen lyrics um, where it goes like this says, God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. 
O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Tidings of comfort and joy. So that really hits the nail right on the head, doesn't it? That's why Christ came to save us from our sins, um, you know, when we'd gone astray. So we should be very, very thankful today. There's so many things I could share with you. Um, I'll just go through some the story really briefly here. Hopefully I won't get the preach anointing start going. Um, but um, I, I did want to just spend um, a few minutes with you today. And I, I'm so thankful you came to be with me online because um, I just think it's important that we do give God his time today. Uh, so I'm in this new environment. I'm using my phone. I told my wife, I said, hey, if this environment works and my, this phone works, maybe I'll just keep doing it like this. It'd make the setting here a little nicer with our group that comes here. But um, but we'll see. Anyway, if you, if you look in Luke chapter 1, you see um, the Christmas stories there. And that's usually the, the one that we use to tell the story. And, you know, if you look in, look in Luke um, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we, we, we're going to skip the part about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Um, but anyway, it says, um, Gabriel was sent to God um, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Okay, so he, he goes, he's there to a virgin, goes to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So it says Gabriel was sent. So he goes out. If you remember, he told Zacharias, I've been sent from the presence of God. God sent me here, and you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. So anyway, he's here, and uh, he goes to see Mary, and um, he's been sent by God there. He's been given directives. Um, and so Mary was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And of course, we know that's important because uh, Jesus needed to come from the lineage of David. And her name was Mary. And having come in, we don't know exactly what he came into, you know what I mean? So, but having come in, um, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And I think that's interesting. It doesn't say she was troubled at his, at his appearance. I, I don't know. I don't think that angel looked like any different than you or I would look. I, that's my opinion. Um, but uh, it doesn't say she was troubled at his appearance. It said she was troubled at what he said. And she was considering what manner of greeting is that. Hmm. So he comes in and she goes, hmm, now why did he greet me like that? Um, rather, than, <laughs> rather than, wow, there's an angel. Again, I, I don't think, I don't think it looked like an angel to, you know, um, and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. But so um, then the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, because you found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and his name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be called son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. What an amazing word. Then Mary said to the angel, how am I going to, how is this going to happen since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is born to you will be called the Son of God. 
And then in verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. You know, when you connect with God and the purpose of God, you just need to get the word impossible out of your mind. You need to go, I'm, on, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And um, he always calls us to something that looks impossible. So I want to encourage you all with that. God might, if you've gotten a vision from God, there's going to be something impossible about that vision because God gives us visions that can only be accomplished through his work and through him alone. It doesn't mean you don't need to be faithful, but ultimately he's just the one that does it. And we have to come to a place where we go, um, how am I going to do this? You know, and, and we have to go, God's just going to do it. I can't do it. And uh, he loves to do that. He always, he always brings us to a place. And you see that there? You see, I think that's a good question she asked. You remember Zacharias said, hey, how do I know this is going to happen? He was a godly man, but he'd gotten a little doubtful because for him, the journey had been so long. So, so he's going, hmm, how am I going to know this has happened? This is going to happen. Even though I believe Gabriel shared something with force. It wasn't Gabriel's appearance with Zach either, Right. It was, it was the word. He just came from God with a word. And he goes, I just came from God with that word. And, and you didn't receive it. You see, and Mary somehow was able to connect with that word, not the appearance of the angel, right? And um, so, but she, so she didn't say, how's this? I mean, um, I don't believe it. This, how am I going to know what you're saying? It's true. She registered with that word and she goes, how's this going to happen? I think that's a really normal response for all of us to have, right? But, um, and, and the angel did answer, which I'm really thankful for that because she needed to know, hey, am I supposed to get married really quickly? And, you know, because I'm engaged. I mean, what's going to happen? And then he goes, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. And I just, I just love that because sometimes God will give us something and he doesn't tell us how, but he does, there are those times when we just can't figure out, we do our best and we just have to go, you know what? It's just going to have to be God. Nothing I can do other than just simply be faithful and let God do it. Amen. So that ought to be an encouragement to all of you. You've gotten a word from God. You don't know how to make that happen. God is going to make it happen for you. You know, he's, he's going to do it. All you need to do is be faithful, stay connected. Now, there are a few little things I want to mention here I, I think are interesting. Mary's around 12 years old when she got this word. So 12, think about that, 12 years old, okay? Now, I don't think that was unusual. I think it's unusual today, but I don't think it was then. So get a picture of this. This woman is a strong, committed believer in God at 12 years old. She had an attitude of faith. She believed. She heard this word and she believed, even though, as I told you, the angel doesn't, he probably just looks like a man. If you look throughout the Bible, that happened in not every incident, in, uh, incidents, but, uh, incident, but most of them. You know, you can look at um, the, the angel that showed up to talk to Gideon. He, he looked like a man. He was talking to a man, he thought. The angel that shows up that talks to uh, Samson's parents. They think he, they're talking to a man. The Bible says that you'll entertain angels and not even know it, right? You don't even know it. Why? Because they look like people. And the angel comes to Zechariah. I don't think that he knew that was an angel. 
You know, I mean, I, I think maybe, I don't know, he's probably really thinking, who is this? Um, but And at the end he goes, I am Gabriel, and I've come from God. You know, so here he is, and as I mentioned, uh, it doesn't say Mary startled at his appearance or something like that, but at what he says. What he says, what he said jolted her. Now, why is that? I believe it's because she had a relationship with God. She knew the voice of the Lord, and she never heard God audibly, but she had a walk with God. And you see, when you're walking with God, you connect when God says something, and it will register with you. Jesus said to the Pharisees who knew scriptures but didn't know God, he said, you know the scriptures, but you don't know me. But the scriptures are talking about me. So you're getting facts out of it, but you're not you're not connecting with me. That's why you don't know my voice. Mary was committed. She had a great attitude. And at 12 years old, she already had a relationship with God, which again, I think that's pretty amazing. Now, if you look at, if you look in later, you see she prophesied and just gave this great word. And she's 12, maybe 13 by now, uh, but she's still pregnant. And you're looking in like in verse 46, she gives this great, great word. And how many verses is it? About 10 verses. And um, a, a great word that, that people recite today. Uh, I would read it, but for the sake of time, I won't do that. But you could read that today. Um, it'd be a great th thing to read from Luke 1, verse 46 through verse 55. Um, and what a great word. And this just comes out of her, a 12-year-old. And and it's interesting, this verse is based out of what Hannah said in, or what came out of 1 Samuel. So her, her words are coming out of words that were spoken earlier in the Bible. So she's got the word of God in her. And you know, most of the word that comes out of people in the prophetic gift that's in the New Testament, whenever we have prophetic utterances, um, a lot of those are based off of the words that have already been spoken. They're encouragement from words that God's already spoken. And the people that know the word of God, just like Mary did, um, have the gift of the prophetic utterances flow out of them more. But anyway, so you see Mary, she has a relationship with God and she knows the word. Now, I wanna make a comment here too about her parents. She must've had some great parents because this just didn't go, come to her in her sleep. And it didn't come for her to her just from her little time in the synagogue. She had a home that she grew up in that was training her in the Word of God, and she had that ingrained in her. And I would say I believe that was probably a big reason why she was chosen. It's because she had patterns of behavior that God wanted his son to be birthed in because his, his son needed to be trained in the Word of God. And he knew Mary and Joseph was going to do that. So I want to encourage all of you parents right now, don't just think, oh, I need to just get my child to church. Yeah, that's important. But I'll say what they get at home is much, much more important. The Word of God could come, come into your home every day. It needs to be there every day. It can be at supper time. It can be at morning when you get up. But the Word of God needs to be the centerpiece of your home. And I'll tell you, if you will do that, your home is going to be blessed and your children will be blessed and their hearts will be formed according to God, just like Mary's was. And I'll tell you, I can guarantee you, she brought this into her home with Jesus. 
If you look what happened with Jesus, ironically, when he was, guess how old? 12 years old, where is he? In the temple. When they went to, I guess they were in Jerusalem there. So um, what happens there? He's in the temple asking questions and um, talking. And it says they were amazed at his answers. And it doesn't mean that they were asking him questions like, oh, he's the, he's the one teaching here. But he was in discussion and how he was responding back, they were amazed at it. And um, the commentators will, will say um, that what the, the verse is actually communicating there is they were amazed at his ability to put two and two together. But what was he doing there? He was learning, but he already knew so much and he was so hungry from the, for the word. Where did he get that from? He got that, I believe, at home. And if you read, there are two of his brothers and by the way, you realize then, hey, Mary wasn't a virgin, by the way, for those of you who were taught that Mary is still a virgin. And some people still pray to Mary. The Bible never says that. And they pray to the virgin Mary, which isn't, I mean, she wasn't a virgin after she had Jesus. Joseph had relations with her. And the Bible even shows us he had brothers and sisters. The two of his brothers also wrote books of the Bible. And when you read their books, there is James and Jude they're sort of similar, and you can just, by reading them, go, wow, this sort of gives you a little feel for what it might, must have been like to be in Jesus' home. They were really taught the Word of God. And again, I want to encourage you, you need to have a greater vision for your children. Don't think that they just need to get some kind of little baby Christian food. No, train them up in the Word of God. You know, today when you go to most churches, they even teach the adults baby food. One time Paul says, Hey, you guys have been born again so long, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be deep in the Word of God by now. The, the idea that the pastors oftentimes in churches don't even have a vision for the, for the congregation to grow in the Word of God and to be able to teach and to be into the deep things of God. Paul's saying this is the way it ought to be, right? For you guys that have been saved for a while. And I want you to get the vision of that for your children, you know, don't just feed them, you know, something on TV every day and uh, just take them to church. You should take them to church. But let me just say, I'm not even sure, you know, a lot of times they're having in the children's church, right? I bet you something, I bet the parents were just, would go home after, you know, going to the synagogue and they had worship together and they talked to the child about what they learned that day all together in church. So they didn't treat the children like, um, you know, they just had to teach them like like babies. Again, like I just said, a lot of the parents are taught that way today. But you need to have a greater vision than that for your child and for your children, for your home. So um, then we go from there. We, You know, you can see a lot of other little things. I, I think this is interesting that it says Mary was highly favored in this in this passage. She's highly favored. And the implications are, you're being chosen because you're highly favored. You know what that tells me? Already at 12 years old, she has been choosing God. She's already been making some difficult decisions. God loves all of us, I believe, immensely. Jesus even prayed and said, God, show them that you love them just like you love me. That's hard to believe, but Jesus says that, right? But favor is different. There's a sense in which we all have favor on our lives, right? Because we're God's children. But there's a sense, there's an aspect of favor which it only comes 
from the decisions we make. Favor from God comes from you doing what's right, making difficult choices. And so it, the Bible says in Luke 2.52, even Jesus grew in favor with God. Think about that. How did Jesus grow in favor with God? Well, because as he's growing, he's making difficult choices to do right and to please God, even when he's young. And by 12 years old, Mary has already been doing this. And she has a heart that's precious to God. She chooses God. She wants to do right. Sometimes it might be obeying her parents when she realizes she doesn't want to, but she's going, but you know what? That pleases God. And who told her that pleases God? Her parents did. <laughs> she's, they're teaching her to please God. And they're also demonstrating that they live lives to please God. They, they go to synagogue, they go to church, and they see, she's seeing her parents sacrifice to please the Lord. You know, a lot of people want their children to serve the Lord when they've not been. That usually doesn't work really well unless you realize, you know what, I need to get my life right, and you start living for the Lord. I've had parents that want to bring their child to dedication. Last time somebody said that, I said, okay, you know, great if you want to dedicate your child to the Lord, but doesn't make sense to do that if you haven't dedicated yourself to the Lord. It's not like some superstition where you come to church and do something. It's like you're saying to God, Lord, I'm dedicated to you. And because of that, I'm dedicating my child to you. You dedicating your life to the Lord is the number one major way for your ch children to be dedicated to God. They're going to see it and catch it from you. So anyway, she's gotten favor from God already. She's already at 12, been passing a lot of little tests. Man, man, just catch this, people. Catch this for your children. I'm hoping you got a big vision for them because God's hand will be upon all of them when they're young. And he'll start working in them when they're young. And that, that's what happened to Mary. That's what happened to Jesus. He was going in favor with God, even when he's little. So anyway, um, so... So anyway, we see all this that Mary's going through. And then, and then um, it says that, um, you know, they, she gets, she's pregnant and she and Joseph get married, but they don't have relations. She goes to Bethlehem. Uh, she has to go to Bethlehem. Now, the Bible doesn't say they planned it out, but they have to go. You know the story because of the census. And they're probably going, oh, I can't believe it. How's, it, how's all this happening like this, and we would have never chosen it to have been this way. Um, but then they go, and they, um, you know, they go to Bethlehem, and lo and behold, she has the baby. And there's no place to stay, so they end up staying in a manger. Some people say it could have been more like a cave, but a place, some place where animals were kept, uh, most likely. And so, um, so she's... <laughs> That's a strange thing. Think about this. Our Savior's born to a couple of poor people who don't have a place to stay when the baby's born. Now, you'd probably be thinking, if you're Mary, surely God would have done something different than this. The baby is being born like outside in a manger or a cave, maybe in a stall or area. And um, 
You know, I could imagine that place had to be cleaned up, you know, and whatever, swept out, if you know what I mean, um, before while the baby was getting ready to be born. You know, <laughs> it's just amazing that that our, our Savior, the Son of God, was born that way. And so while he's being born, angels show up. And who does he show up to? The king? You know, the, the wealthy people? No, he shows up to the shepherds. And um, and, he's, and this time, the angels are like showing off. You know, an angel comes, there's glory all around, and all the angels begin to, you know, say glory to God in the highest. They see a whole bunch of them. <laughs> this time, the angels are showing themselves, right? And they, they see, they're seen, I believe, as angels. And uh, they were told, you know, go and go see the Savior, or the Savior has been born today in Bethlehem. And uh, this is going to be a sign. You're going to see him wrapped in baby clothes, all wrapped up, real tight to keep him warm, in a manger. And surely that was a sign. You know, uh, that was probably no other baby in a manger. Um, but there they, they went, and there he was in the manger. So anyway, and that, that's, the, that's the main story we hear, right? And I shared about the Magi that they came years later. And it's interesting to me, you know, how it says, you know, um, these men, these shepherds, they went and it says they made it widely known what happened. I believe it's Anna, one of the one of the prophets. You know, they, she went out and told everybody, hey, I saw the Christ. You know, a year and a half later, you got the Magi and they came to town. Hey, your Savior's been born. So there was a lot of stuff happening. But it was all happening behind the scenes. People were hearing about it. But then it just looked like it died down and like nothing was happening. It looked like Rome is ruling. Darkness is getting greater. We heard this great word, but nothing's happening. You know, we, we thought maybe the Messiah, you know, remember a few years ago, something about a Messiah or where, you know, but it's nothing's changed. Things have just gotten worse. But uh, what was God doing? God was birthing an answer. God was birthing an answer. And uh, it took a few years before it ended up coming to pass. But I just want to bring this message into today. It looks really dark. I bet a lot of people would say, man, it's nothing good's happening. There's junk going, going on everywhere. It's just getting darker and darker. doesn't look like God's doing anything. Let me guarantee you something. God's got a plan. Not only that, it's a redemptive plan. Just like Jesus came to redeem and he paid the price for sin, God's got a plan where he's going to do something and it's going to break the yoke of this generation, the yoke of this current darkness. And it's a redemptive plan and it's going to come forth in its day which I don't believe is very far from now. I've been hearing this for years. And just like with Jesus, I believe people got a glimpse of it and they spoke it and it's going to happen. I believe in my lifetime. I don't believe it's very far away, but I guarantee you, God has a redemptive plan. He's going to do something. Why? Because God so loves the world. He sees where we are. He saw that, the need for Christ, 
Boom, that's been done. And he sees the current need where we are right now, the current darkness, the current bondage that men are in, and the current miracle that needs to happen in our generation. God's working behind the scenes. And not only that, he's looking for people like Mary, like Joseph, and like others that'll be willing to say, God, no matter what it costs, I'm willing to lay down my life and do what's necessary to do my part for this hour. You know, we learned something in this Christmas story. Being used of God doesn't mean you're going to be the one who's, uh, you know, has the glamour. You know, you maybe aren't going to be the preacher with your Facebook post where you have a great picture of being mighty in God preaching like that or whatever the picture might be. Or, or you know, maybe you, you, maybe you're not going to be used in a way where, you know, you have a whole lot of money and you're building the churches. or And I don't know how God's going to use you. God's got a special thing for everybody, though. And if you just say, God, I'm willing. And if you'll be willing to go God's route, I'll tell you this. You, too, will get favor from God. And God will use you in a mighty way, just like he did Mary and Joseph and so many others. God told this to Timothy. You know, he says, work in your heart. Make yourself honorable, and God will use you in an honorable way, or at least you'll be ready so that God can use you in an honorable way. So anyway, thank you so much for being with us here Christmas Day. Um, I hope you have a great time with your family or friends or sitting there with just with Jesus, if that's with you today, just that you have a great time thinking about this and honoring God. So let me just pray for you. Father, I just pray. Lord, that each person listening today would be so blessed, so blessed by your presence, blessed by thoughts. And God, I pray that each one would, would position themselves right now for the things that are to come this year. Lord, you know what's going to be coming. You, you know the trials. You know the opportunities. And Father, you know that thing that you've got planned that's going to be poured out in its steps at the right time. So God, we ask you, Lord God, cause all of us to be ready to do our part. Help us all to be positioned so at that moment we'll be able to say, yes, God, we're ready to do our part. Lord, here we are. Lord, use us, God. And just as Jesus lived and died for others, Lord, we pray, help us, God, so that we can now live our life for Christ and for those you've called us to serve. We ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen.